Great stuff. Well, it's so good to welcome you this morning. Uh, we started, we tried to start a series last week called Movements. Uh, I say tried, I didn't really get to preach the sermon in the first service because it just felt like God took us in a different direction. And then I got to the dilemma in the second service of thinking, do I do the spontaneity of the first service or do I go to my notes? And what happened was completely different to both my notes and the first service. So we enjoyed worshiping together last week and encountering the presence of the Lord. And uh, this week, I just want to just put my finger in the air and just sense what the wind's doing and just this morning expose our hearts to something that the Lord I think is trying to get our attention about because God is doing something amazing on the face of the earth. Uh, He's really at work and there's a beautiful, beautiful verse in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 12, 28 and it says these words, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Say that word after me, will you? Unshakable. Come on, and again, unshakable. Just think about that word. Just think about the things that are shaking right now. Everything is shaking. The whole world is shaking. Throughout history, nations have risen, nations have fallen. Everything gets shaken. But those things that are of the kingdom of God are unshakable. If we build our life upon the principles of God's Word, and that's not just knowing them, that's obeying them. You know, the story of the wise and the foolish builder isn't about one person who goes to church and another person who doesn't. It's not about one person who understands the Bible and the other person doesn't. It's a story that says, only when you obey the Word of God is your house built upon a rock. So you might have been coming to church for years. I have a whole bank of things that you should have obeyed and you haven't. I need to tell you, your house, your life is not unshakable because you're building on your own ways and you're building on the world's ways. And it's only when you build upon Christ and His ways that our lives are unshakable. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful And please, God, that's really important that we are people who are thankful. Everything is under stress right now. Everything. Everyone seems to be short-staffed. Everyone seems to be stretched. Everything seems to be operating off limited resources. That goes for you know, every fabric part of society, it would seem. But I believe that it's not the call of the people of God to say, oh, isn't it tough? Isn't this awful? How are we going to make this work? I believe those who have built their life on obedience to God's Word that are part of an unshakable kingdom are called to live thankful. Thankful. Praise is not something we do on a Sunday. Praise is something we do when we get in the office and it's just cost you a second mortgage to fill up your petrol tank. (laughs) Even the PA's reacting to that. When it's tough, 
When you're trying to get through to your GP and you can't, because there's a queue. How does that work? 8.30 in the morning, your phone, and like by 8.31, every appointment's gone. And everything's stretched. But the people of God, we're called to know that our lives are built on an unshakable kingdom. And our thankfulness is when we get to the office and it's just cost us 100 pound to put petrol in the tank. And we get in the office and we're like, it's just cost me 100 pound to put petrol in the tank. But I need to let you know that God is good. God is good. We don't need to come into our gatherings as church in order to be reminded that God is good, we need to just look at our foundations and remember that God is good. He's the unshakable one. And this movement that the Spirit of God is birthing across the face of the earth, it's an unshakable kingdom and movement that we're called to be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. And just for these next few moments, I'm going to talk about a movement that's a man-made movement and a movement that's a spirit-led movement. Because there are lots of movements that take place on the earth. You know, there have been lots of societies that have risen and fallen. There have been lots of parts of the world that have um, had people with good ideas and visions and ideas that look like they are worth getting behind. There's lots of causes. But I want to just bring to our attention this morning that there is possible that we give ourselves to a man-made movement, but God is calling us to give ourselves to a spirit-filled movement, a spirit-led movement. And I'm going to take you to two stories in the Bible. One's in the Old Testament, one's in the New. The first one I'm going to look at is the wonderful story that we find in Genesis 11, and it's known as the Tower of Babel. Now, when you look at this story, I want you to notice as we read it in a moment that there are a few things that are present within it that we would traditionally consider to be very positive things. First of all, it says that they were united. How many of you know the Bible says, where there's unity, the Lord commands a blessing? Scriptures talk about it being so anointed when we're in unity together. And in fact, it was one of the last prayers that Jesus prayed that his people would be one as he is one. We'd be united together. Unity is important. You know, we work hard to embrace and love and, and be in good relationship with other churches in the Southwest and in the city. We believe it's really important. It's not just a nice thing to do. It's a deeply spiritual thing to do. And you know, there have been times when people have left and gone to other churches in the city. Do you know, can I tell you what some of the, well, the elders have said sometimes? There's a new church that started a few years ago, and the pastor, I think, was a bit nervous about meeting me because a number of people had gone from Rediscover to the church, and I think he was a little bit nervous about meeting up. So I met him for a coffee, and I said, do you know, the people that have gone to you, they're brilliant, and I pray they'll be a great blessing. I pray you'll be a great blessing to them. And our elders have asked me to ask you a question. And you just see the color drain out of his face. And so the elders have asked, is there any other way we can help you and support you financially or anything we can do to help you? Because we're one church. We're one body. We're one people. And, And the moment we forget that and the moment we think that we're trying to build our thing is the moment we begin to build a man-made movement and not a spirit-led movement. So God wants us to be in unity. And in this story, there's unity. There's something else in this story, and that is there is creativity. Now, I love creativity. 
I love admiring and watching creativity in action. Where, however that expresses itself, whether it's in art, whether it's in music, whether it's in ideation, whether it's in architecture, it's wonderful to see how mankind has the capacity to create. And of course, that's embedded in us because we're made in the image of God. And it doesn't matter whether someone has taken that creativity and used it for fame and fortune or used it for the glory of God. It all came from God. Just some people don't know it. God is a creative God. He's the originator of creativity. And these people, we should be among the most creative people on the planet because we are not just made in his image, we're in relationship with the head. And you should dream that God gives you creativity in your industries and your work. You should pray that God gives you great ideas and innovations. If you're in medical research, pray that God will give you an imagination to create some breakthroughs. If you're in any form of industry, pray that you'll give some efficiency ideas of creativity to your company. God loves creativity. He's the originator of creativity. And creativity is a wonderful thing. And in this story, there's lots of creativity. And there's a third thing in this story. And that is that there's vision. Like bucket loads of vision. The Bible says that when there's no vision, the people perish. Vision is so important. If you woke up this morning and you don't know why your life exists, if you don't really know what you're about, then getting out of bed this morning was harder for you than it was for other people who know what their life's about. Because vision is really important. And let me just say that there are some structures that this world paints that puts you and I into a box of seasons and those boxes of seasons are not God-made, they're man-made boxes. For example, retirement. I really believe the next move of the Holy Spirit is not just going to be a move among the kids and the youth and the young adults and the young families, but there is going to be an army of people who have retired that are going to rise up knowing who they are in Christ and they're going to have a greater vision for this next season of their life and they had for the past season. Your season has not gone. Your season is not finished. And I love it when people think that it's all over. I don't love that bit, but I love it when they come alive and say, oh, it isn't. When, when you're... When your memories are greater than your dreams, you've already begun to die. The reality of our life is that if you have breath in your lungs, if you have been gifted one more day, you have been gifted one more day to step out into the purposes of God. One more day, today. You might not think you've got another 20, 30, 40 years. It doesn't matter. You have this day and God has designed you to have vision for this day. So whatever stage of life you're at, and when I'm talking about boxes, you know, let's think about some of those boxes of some of you students going away and you're in your career stage now. Who says that? Well, it's what everybody does. Is it what God's asking of you? Is that really what he's asking? He might be. 
Because we need, some of you want to go into the legal profession, we need really good salt and light in the legal world, don't we? There are injustices in this world that need people to engage with the issues of injustice, with the skills of legal profession. We need you to be salt and light. We need you to change the environment, not to become the environment. There are people in industry that you've got breakthroughs, you've got innovations in you, you've got things that you're going to bring transformation into workspaces, and we need you to be salt and light in those places. Some of you in the medical world, gosh, there's stress everywhere in the medical world right now, in the care sector, and we need you not just to be brilliant doctors and nurses and, and people who are understanding what it is to care, but we need you to be people who know the peace of God in your life to be able to transfer that into those around you. But make sure that whatever season of your life you're in, you're not taking your script from the world. You're taking it from the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because God wants you to have vision, but he wants you to have his vision. And in this story, Tower of Babel, we see there was unity, we see there was innovation, and we see that there was vision. Let's look at it. Genesis 1, 11, sorry, chapter 11, verse 1. At one time, all the people of the world spoke Welsh. They played rugby and they used the same words. But as the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and they settled there. They began to say to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. It's important that you know why that innovation took place. Because you remember Noah and the flood? These were waterproof bricks. And this was being built in a waterproof way that said, if you flood the earth, you're not going to get us. Then they said, come, let's make a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Isn't it amazing that that accomplishment still fires the imagination of cities and nations around the world to build the tallest skyscraper in the world? This was an incredible vision. This was a phenomenal achievement if they could make it work. This was not small thinking. They were in unity. They had innovation and they had vision. But the Lord came down. And if you've ever been involved in a building program and had the local council building inspector come and felt nervous about that, imagine what it's like to be in a building program and the Lord comes down. And the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower that people were building. Imagine him just walking around just exploring, just analyzing. But I don't think he was looking at the bricks. I think he was looking at the hearts. It's what he does with any building program. It's what he does with any innovation where people say, I'm serving you, Jesus, or I'm going to do something great. He always looks at the hearts. 
He always walks around the motivation and the reasoning. And the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. And look, he said, the people are united. They speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. What a statement for God to make that because there's unity and innovation and vision, that they could literally accomplish anything. God said, come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. I wonder at what point of the building program that they're having these conversations. Hey, Reuben, grab a few bricks for me, will you, mate? Hey, Reuben, where's the pencil? Hey, Jason, will you pass that tape measure? And then suddenly, in the middle of asking, will you get a stone? Suddenly, it goes, what was that you said? I, I don't really know many languages, so I'm reverting to Bill and Ben there. That's Bill and Ben, not Welsh. And they're all looking at what, what are you saying? And they're confused, because communication is really important, isn't it? It's, in, it's an important ingredient. It's, a, it's like a currency of our relationships together. If you don't have good communication, you can't accomplish things. So communication is really, really important. If communication is broken with someone, fix it. It's important. It's really important. I've traveled other nations and not known the language and felt like a real outsider, even though I've known that there's loads of things we could connect on, but we just can't speak the same language. Communication is so important. Yeah. Keep me in marriages and, you know, there's just like this sense of broken communication between you. And communication is really important. Understand each other's hearts. Sometimes we think we're speaking in a language the other person understands, but sometimes we're speaking completely at odds with what they're understanding. Make sure that you listen to understand, not listen to have your say back. Yeah. Communication is really important. And communication, a lack of it or a broken communication devastated this plan. Of course, that was God's intention. And it says, in that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world, and I begin to see them finding someone else who spoke the same language as them, and then they're the only people they can converse with, so they begin to go on some adventures to find some land that they can settle in with people who understand them and feel understood. Isn't it amazing how we like to hang out with people that we feel understood by and we feel understanders? It's a commonality that we have in life. And, you know, one of the things that we're called to do as the people of God is to try to not just instinctively hang out with people who we fully understand, but we're meant to try and reach into worlds of people that we don't understand, who don't understand us. And we're so shy sometimes. We're so afraid of how people will respond if they don't get us or understand us that we hold back and we stick within our own bubbles. And those bubbles can be just people who are like us at a similar season of life because we talk baby talk. And we have, I don't mean gibberish, I mean we've got babies at the same season of life and it's easy to talk about nappies and the latest pram that we bought and it's easy to talk about the pressures of work with having sleepless nights. We find that a common language, but it's harder then to talk to someone who was there 30 years ago and we don't feel understood in the same way. But the church of God is not meant just to stick in the realms 
of the people that we can talk about prams and nappies or retirement or our careers or our particular brand of career. The Bible calls us to reach into other people's worlds and to be understood and to understand them. And so communication was broken. Why? Because this wasn't a God-honoring vision. This was a vision that said, we're going to do something magnificent and we are going to look wonderful as a result of doing that. Not everything that looks righteous is righteous. Not every church that has accomplished wonderful things for the Lord has an entirely righteous motive. And it's so painful when people experience the dawning of that reality that something is not what it seemed. I hope and I pray that the Lord can walk around our endeavors here. And instead of him saying, we need to sort this out, that we bring great pleasure to him. I pray that tomorrow in your workplace, this afternoon in your home, in your halls of residence, in your industry, in your community, I pray the Lord could walk around your life and he could smile. Because he's looking for a people that will take him. And there is a call of the Spirit for us not to be a man-made movement, but to be a Spirit-filled and a Spirit-led movement. If we go forward a few thousand years, many thousands of years, we go to another scene that mentions about confusing languages. We go forward to the book of Acts where we read that there was great unity. We read that there was a big vision. The big vision was that their risen and ascended Lord had said to them just before his departure, now go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. That was a vision that was very big for a fisherman. That was a vision that was very big for a tax collector. That was a vision that was very significant for someone who had previously been a terrorist. That was a big vision. And it was a big vision that was going to be conducted without the one who had said it to them. So this was a grand, grand vision. They were gonna travel places they'd never been before. I always think of that scene in the first Lord of the Ring trilogy where the hobbit, he just stops and he says, if I take one more step, I will go further than I've ever gone before. And here were 120 disciples gathered in an upper room with an instruction to go further than they'd ever gone before. Unified in prayer, envisioned with a grand plan. 
And we see that they would go on to do things in ways that they'd never done before. Acts 2 verse 1 says this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. What an amazing moment. This wasn't a moment where God gave them languages to confuse them. This was a moment where God gave them languages to empower them because he was among them. And you and I living in a world that's shaking. And if we think this is as bad as it's going to get, there's more to come. Kingdoms of this world, there's going to be more wars and more rumours of wars. There's going to be more financial challenges. There's going to be more inflationary issues. There's going to be more pressure on our health services to such a degree that if the church doesn't learn to move in the healing power of God, then we are not going to be able to be the antidote to a nation that's going to be struggling. Why are there more miracles take place in Africa than there are in the UK? It's because people are desperate. It's because they don't have the health service and therefore they think if God doesn't help me, I don't have an answer. And we're going to get to a stage in our nation where there's going to be a health epidemic. And the church, if we don't know that our lives are built upon a firm foundation of an unshakable kingdom, if we're not empowered by the Spirit, if we are busy building our own towers and our own structures and our own churches and our own ministries, we will miss what the Spirit of God is trying to get our attention to do. How many of you prayed for someone who's sick and seen them healed? I wonder if I asked you to put your hands up. I wonder how many people would do that. Some people are putting their hands up. I wasn't, it was a rhetorical question, but that's great. Every one of us could be daily praying for someone who has a physical need. Not in a way that, God, give me the right words to say here that's going to encourage them as I pray. It's not may I comfort them and help them, but it's a faith that knows that the one who formed the world lives in you. The Spirit of God, not a junior version of the Holy Spirit that hovered over the surface of the deep, not a junior version of the Holy Spirit that empowered these 120 people to travel the nations and to take the good news around the world. And while empires have risen and empires have fallen, the church of Jesus Christ continues to grow, continues to advance, continues to touch millions of lives every year to a place where today there are more Christians alive on the face of the earth than there have been at any point in history. That's the reality of when the Spirit of God is building something. 
But in this nation, we've gone asleep. We've dozed off yeah. on our shift. Yeah. And there's a battle taking place. And there's an alarm that's sounding. And the alarm is not going for just a handful of people. The alarm is going for everybody to wake up. Wake up, there's a world to be won. There's no towers to be built. There's a kingdom to be extended. An unshakable kingdom. The people in the UK, they don't need just another good idea. They don't need a hobby on a Sunday. They've got garden centers for that. They don't need some good ideas. They've got Andrew Marshall on a Sunday morning to do that. But they need an unshakable hope. That's why to be a movement, we need to build our life on obedience to God's word. And in obedience to God's word, let's link some of these things together. You shall lay hands on the sick and they may recover. It's quite a big difference between the words may and shall, isn't it? You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But the prayer is not, oh, okay, I'm going to step out. It's not about you. It's about your obedience. It's about the one that's in you that causes the miracle to occur. How many of you ever moved in words of knowledge? A word of knowledge, the Bible says, is when God reveals something to you because the one that's in you knows everything that's going on in the person's life that you're talking to. He knows everything. So if you had a friend that was going through a difficult time and one of their friends said to you, I don't know if you know this, but they're going through a real difficulty right now. Please be sensitive. You'd appreciate that tip-off, wouldn't you? The Spirit of God, through words of knowledge, gives insights and tip-offs that allow us to engage at a deep level in their spirit. It opens up their hearts. And I believe that God wants to grace his people with words of knowledge again, not so that we can have some nice meetings and say, ooh, did you hear that person? They had a really spot-on word of knowledge today. I'm going to write it down, and I'm going to read it every day for the rest of my life so I feel good about myself. <laughs> wakey, wakey. Church, the world needs a church that's unshakable and filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't need a church that just knows how to speak in tongues. It needs to be a church that's spirit-filled, spirit-empowered, in unity together, full of a vision for the world to give their lives to Christ and empowered with ingenuity and innovation and creativity to step out and do fresh things for the Lord. That's what the world needs. That's a God movement. Who's in? Who's up for a God movement? Who's hungry for the Spirit of God? Who's ready to say enough theory, enough sermons, enough books, enough conferences. Now I want the real thing in my life and I want to move in signs and wonders and miracles. We're coming to a place where our food banks, in fact, on the news the other day, it was saying that 
food banks are struggling because a lot of the donators, uh, people who buy a bit extra of the shopping and put it in the basket at the back, that a lot of those people are now struggling to cater for themselves. So the donations are going down. And not only are the donations going down, but also because of the rising costs that people run in the food banks, normally they might go out and buy some of the missing products, but the prices are going up, that it's getting to a place of unaffordable. I believe the day is coming when our food banks will be like literal feeding of the 5,000. We'll have a handful of goods and you'll be pulling it out of the bag and it'll just keep coming. It'll just keep coming. It'll just keep flowing. And if you think that your employer is your provider, then you might shake. But if you know that God is your supplier of your needs, then you will know that you build your life on an unshakable kingdom. And church is about time that we got out of the theory of this and we walked in the reality of this. It's time to wake up. It's time to come alive with the Holy Spirit. God is not looking to just pat us on the back and meander around us and have a lovely social time. God is looking to be a conduit of His glory to the nations through the people of God. Signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of faith, gifts of healing. Who's ready to step out in them? That might be a moment to show hands. Who's ready to step out in them? Come on, I'm desperate for this stuff. Are you desperate for this? Really? Desperate enough to show our hands on a Sunday in the safest environment you could ever do that? But what about Monday morning? What about this week when the pressure hits? What about when you feel like some of those things of the world are shaking within you? What about then? Are you desperate for them? The Spirit of the Lord says, Wake up, O church. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The glory of the Lord. This is not a time to talk about what could be. This is a time to rise up into what will be and what is. It's time for a prophetic church to rise up. So we're going to finish our service in a different way. I'm going to ask you, and some of you are going to think, man, I'm out of here. painted it really bad there, so hopefully what I'm about to say might not feel as bad. But for some of you, this is going to be really like challenging, because I'm going to ask you to speak to someone. Mark, come on, I've come to listen and sing. Now, I would like you to turn to someone next to you and say these words. If you don't know them, maybe you start off with these words, which is, hi, my name is Mark, if your name's Mark. And then say these words. I'm going to pray by faith for your need. What can I pray for by faith? And if they say, I'm desperate for a fresh empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to speak in tongues. Then take your hand and gently just hover it over them. Don't push. God does not need your help. 
Let's get rid of the fake. Let's get rid of all of that sort of like it being some validation of your worth. Do it in such a way that if they fall down, because some people do that in the power of God, then someone's not going to say, you push me. I didn't even touch you. That was God, and that's what God can do. And then just say these words, something like, in Jesus' name, I rebuke this sickness. The important part of that first bit of the prayer was, in whose name? Jesus. So, why do you always get hung up with your worthiness or your experience or your skill? What's that got to do with it? Whose name is in? In Jesus' name. And is Jesus limited by your failure? Is he restricted by your inadequacies? Or your lack of experience? Of course he isn't. Greater is he that's in you, the body of Christ, than he that's in the world. You have this kingdom that's unshakable within you. And the gifts and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we come in his name. In Jesus' name, I rebuke this sickness. And in Jesus' name, be healed. Is that it? Believe that the one that you're praying to is not intimidated by the problem you're praying for. Believe that he's bigger and rise up in his name. When you're praying, it might be worth saying, God, is there a word of knowledge you've got? Is there a prophetic word? Maybe you need to pray, God, I need more faith. The Bible deals with that. It says there's a gift of faith. But there's also fruits of the Spirit as well, isn't there? As we abide in him, he gives us gentleness, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. And maybe you've been trying to therapize some of these things out of your life and you need to abide in the Spirit. Pray. Now, what happens if you're here this morning, you've never been in this environment before, and you're thinking, man, these guys are out of it. We are a bit. We're out of this world. We are out of this world. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I mean that in the way that the Bible says that we're like aliens and strangers. It gets worse, doesn't it? We're out of the world. We're aliens and strangers. The Bible says we're not of this world because our kingdom is an unshakable kingdom, and everything in this world shakes but the kingdom of God doesn't. So we pray as people of another kingdom. And if you've never been in this environment before and someone turns to you and says, hey, can I pray for you? Please don't feel intimidated to turn to them and say, no, it's okay. That's an allowed answer. But if you don't know Jesus, you might be able to say to them, hey, do you know, I don't know if all this Jesus stuff is real, but I don't want to go through the rest of my life wondering that, would you pray that Jesus would reveal himself to me? And if you say that sort of thing, I'm sure the person that's praying with you would love to just pray that prayer. And if the person praying with you is also in the same boat, then why together do you say, Jesus, I don't know if you're real, I don't know if you're there, but would you show yourself to me? Show yourself to us. Okay, enough talking. Would you stand?
And before we pray, would you just lift your hands to heaven? Band, will you come and join me? Holy Spirit, come and fill your church. Fill your people. We don't want to engage in building towers that are man-made. We want to be servants of a spirit-empowered movement across the earth. And we can't do that without you. We need you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll activate gifts and fruits of the Spirit now as we pray. Would you turn to someone next to you, near you, if you want to cross a room even, feel free. And when you start chatting, also just in a few seconds, have a little look around to see if there's anybody on their own, because you can bring them and make a three if they are. We don't want anybody feeling like they're left out this morning. But would you find someone? And would you pray, say, what can I pray for for you? And then pray in faith. Be activated this morning now. Activated in the gifts of the Spirit. Jesus' name.